Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. Hope you guys all had an awesome week. We are back here with our poor episodes. We're getting back on a regular posting schedule. Um, so it is Monday. Happy Monday, gang, gang. We love it. How how's everyone doing? How how are we doing, Kendra? Blah, Kendra and Liam. Cleum. Good. Oh, Cleum. Everything's going good. Good. Doing all right. Mm. Do we have any new life updates from you two? Not really. Not really. No. If Harry Styles releases a single tonight while this is going on, I'll lose my mind. But okay. So we'll just see that. Yeah. Just you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. It happens. I've been waiting. Waiting. Um, I think if Dolly Parton decided that she was gonna have like an in-person tour right now, I'd lose my mind too. I was thinking about that today. Cause like, I'm just like really stressed out cause she's old and I'm like, what if I never get to see her perform live and then she dies? What if Dolly dies? <laughs> what if Dolly dies? It would be sad. Dolly can't die. I don't I think know. you understand that. It's just like, it's hard though. It's hard though. But if, if I'm just going to quickly plug the Dolly Parton's America podcast, cause it's the best podcast ever. Um, but like at the end of it, they talked about how they're basically like recording her so that like after she dies, her music can still pe- be produced like in the future. Isn't that fucking crazy? Love nice. Dolly. So Dolly's never gonna die, but also Dolly, realistically, please live long enough for me to Forever. see you in concert if you're listening to this. Please you go Dolly. Dollywood. Dollywood. Oh, it's all, it's definitely something I want to do. If I could go see her in Nashville, I would go see her in Nashville in two seconds. Have you watched the uh, Code of Many Colors movies? No. Girl, how are you? What? They're about like Dolly when she was little, and like what? Yeah, it's like, like our fate. It's like my family's like favorite Christmas movie is Code of Many Colors, which is like my favorite Dolly Parton song. That's my favorite Dolly. Yes, that's my favorite. Dolly okay, Parton. then you need to watch it. You'll sob. I cry every single time I watch it. Dude, I cry when I listen to the podcast. I like, yeah, no. Um, I remember I was working has- at the when I first listened to that podcast and my friend would just walk in because she was also working at the bakery and I would just mm-hmm. be like crying and she'd be like, are you listening to the podcast again? And I'd be like, yes. <laughs> Do you like Lady A? Of course. Yeah. So the leads, I don't remember her name, but she plays Dolly's mom okay. in the movies. And then this like adorable little girl plays Dolly. Oh my God. Um, and it's just so cute. And then Dolly plays, um, a hooker. <laughs> It's a movie that I think it's that one that like gives um little Dolly like five bucks or something. Yeah. Um, and that's who like she wanted to look like when she was Dude, <laughs> it's so cute. Movie. They're such cute movies. You need to watch I them. Need to watch it. No, that's the thing, is like when she talks about her look and her style, she's like, it's not it's expensive to look this cheap. But then she also said that like like she basically saw like a, a woman of the night in town and her mm-hmm. mom was like that lady's trash and dolly parton was like i was like i love it have <laughs> you seen yes. steel magnolias i have not and i know i'm just like so bad at watching movies i know Ooh, tomato 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 <laughs> that's like the best movie ever it's my favorite movie of all time <laughs> i've i've seen nine to five so at least give me that like okay yeah but you need to watch steel magnolias and Code of Many Colors, okay. And Code of Many Colors. Code of Many Colors is not as iconic because it's not as old and amazing. Right. Both the movies, though, I cry every single time without fail. Because Dolly's everything. With Yep. I'm glad that that's how we're starting the podcast, is just letting people know that Dolly Parton is everything. Dolly Parton and Salmon, the two most important things on the planet. 
100% easy done um so yeah that was a, I feel like it was a great introduction that's a good intro everyone needed that um amazing yeah so we love Dolly Parton and and now we're gonna talk about salmon because two best things in the world Dolly Parton and salmon and that's probably what I'm gonna title this for episode um so for those of you that are new here because we have quite a few new people but yes so um we are reading the book being salmon being human for the last several weeks we will every other week um dive into two chapters of this book and discuss them um and we've been doing this we did it before with what did we read before i can't even remember you <laughs> said uh, the southern residence book oh, by monica shields yeah okay. yes we read that we talked about it and then this is our second book i'm like i really should remember because there's only been two books um so this week we are on chapter 11 um in the shadow of the standing reserve and chapter 12 the salmon fairy tale Dolly Parton is the salmon fairy tale. Um, and yes, so we're just going to dive right freaking into this. Again, love this book. This book is constantly spilling tea. It's juicy, like a salmon that you would want to be juicy. This book is juicy. And I just fucking love this author, man. Martin Lee Mueller. He just like really just like he's really just out here just like spilling some hot tea on us constantly like boiling like you have a third degree burn um but he basically in these two chapters talked about um like you know just the way that we view the planet and like talked about like climate change and how it's having a tremendous impact on the planet and how a lot of people don't really understand the effects of it and because that we see like salmon in grocery stores like fully stocked that we think that things are fine um and again like he's always challenging us to look at our relationship to salmon and our relationship to the general environment and just like how we view it because oftentimes it's this westernized idea of it is a commodity and you know it is something that we can take but um, there's a stat on page 210 that said 10 years ago, Elliot Norse and I calculated that each year the worldwide bottom trawling drag areas are the equivalent to twice the lower 48 states. Um, and he was he was quoting somebody, he was quoting um, a researcher, Les Walting from the University of Hawaii. That's a lot of like just trawling alone. So basically, in the first like chapter he's lining it up for us of like we like to just exploit 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 the planet you know yeah and on page 223 he said each aspect of earth is presumed to be available at all times nothing is allowed to remain in obscurity any mountain forest river or species is forced to deliver of raw material or raw energy whether the technological framework requires it. And so I just feel like this chapter, like in a summary, I was like capitalism and just the way we live our lives, which I would say is capitalistic, ruins the planet. Absolutely. And he also like was talking about too, um, our our need to understand the planet is essentially like our need to have like control over it when like, the planet for the most part has been pretty good at managing itself. You know, obviously things happen and it's not perfect, but it did a much better job than before when we got involved. But yeah, no, essentially like when it comes down to it, capitalism from an environmentalist standpoint 
is awful. Um, and also like, I, like, again, we come back to this like idea of like needing to understand things like, cause we've talked about like, you know, the importance of science and do we just get to study something because it's just cool to know, or like, is it actually useful? And I don't think that, I mean, there's a lot we don't know. Like we don't know how ocean acidification is gonna truly impact the planet, you know? Well, there's a lot of things that are like, I think an innocent sense of wonder. And if you can go about learning more about it in an ethical, sustainable way, then that's, I think that's handy dandy and fine. Cause some people just want to know more for the sake of knowledge and that can be done without creating like a major environmental impact. Mm-hmm. And then there are some studies that people want to do that will have like, oh, what's eating plastic? How bad is that? How will that affect that animal? How can we stop it or whatnot? And so those would be like, okay, that's more of like a useful study. Yeah. But and there's a mix, but I, I don't know. I guess as a scientist with questions and there are a lot of critters in the ocean we don't know about, especially critters I'm interested in, um, that we may learn about them and it may not have no greater benefit to the world, but it's just something that as humans we do and we grow and we learn. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I've kind of noticed a theme with like, you know, invertebrate animals, like, cause after, you know, when, once we posted this, a sea star episode will have come out that like the sea stars are important for the entire ecosystem. And then he talks about like sea butterflies in here. And I don't know if Kendra, cause I know you're a little bit of an invert nerd if you want to go into that. Um, but like the importance of those little sea butterflies to the whole ocean. And it's like something that people don't even notice. They don't even see. Um, and so maybe it's not seen as important, you know? hundred percent. I mean, that's a huge problem with like, um, there's the ocean cleanup company mm-hmm. there don't like them, but they, because they, the way that they go about their attempt at cleaning up the ocean, um, harms the like pelagic surface ecosystem, which we know yeah. next to nothing about. So like Vila Vila, um, blue, blue buttons, like those kind of critters. Um, and it just completely wipes out like entire ecosystems and they know it, they have it in their impact report that they severely negatively impact these animals, but they like write it off as like 80% loss, but 20% is fine. Like, uh, and those little critters, like some, yeah, they're like quote insignificant, but if we know nothing about them and we are wiping them out and we are like, just to clean up plastic that's already in the ocean, which is not a solution to plastic pollution. Correct. So it's a Band-Aid and it's, there's, it's a whole layer of issues. Yeah. Um, but if we don't know anything about these communities, these critters, these ecosystems, and we lose them, we won't have the chance to learn and see if we could have lessened our impact. Same goes to the deep sea. There are areas of the deep sea that have already been bottom trawled that yeah. still haven't made a comeback because it's, yeah takes hundreds of years and it's destroyed in 30 minutes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and those are things like, does that necessarily impact us just to know about the critters? Cause it may not, it may just be like, oh, these eat this. Yeah. And like, that's about it. So like, I like tinafores, read a lot of tinafore papers. There's tons of tinafores that are undescribed that we're still waiting to find. Yes. Are they going to change our lives? No. Me? No. Yes. Most people? No. Yeah. Uh, but it's still important to understand like a whole food web. Uh, and if they're gone before we can get to them, that could end up impacting us. Like if a whole source of food for some ecosystem, if a whole area of the deep sea is trawled and we don't see it anymore, like a whole reef 
in the deep is gone and we don't we don't know what it was doing how it impacted the ecosystem above it whatnot um so yeah definitely like same like inverts are overlooked a hundred percent yeah that's a big that's a big thing and a lot of times I feel like we almost get there too late be like oh sorry we were looking at the whales what's going on down here yeah exactly no, definitely. I, when I It's that charismatic megafauna. And I always like to go back to like what Colleen Myler said, like way early on in the podcast. Like, I think she was among the first like 10 episodes where she was like, whales are the gateway to other animals. It's like you get people hooked with the megafauna and then you teach them about the other stuff that's like equally important and like equally serious. Um, and I think she's like spot on with that. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, it's, it's easy to overlook. And when, you know, not everybody's going to be like interested in like the little invertebrate things, but at the same time, like there's a sense of like with our planet that we need to like, j- just because we don't know if like we, yeah, just because we don't know doesn't mean that we need to like, well, I also feel like to not contrast his point where he's like, let things exist and just exist. We don't need to study it. My argument, I kind of against that is we're destroying things so rapidly. I would like to know something about the creatures we're destroying. So at least we could preserve them in some sort of like book in 10 years, everything that went extinct during these like 20 years. And we have like one study on it, just barely described, but like there are just things that are being impacted so badly um, that I don't know. I I guess that's kind of my thought, like no, it's not going to change our lives. Like we're not looking at how climate change is impacting everything. Like it's just right. a species description, yeah. finding out its taxonomy and um, phylogenetic trees and yeah. all that kind of fun stuff. But it's still important because the yeah. way we're impacting the planet, I feel like it's almost like some people's responsibility to just start remembering what yes. we're losing. Yes. It, including the unknown species that were still like I found out the, a couple months ago about this ginormous box jellyfish species in uh Papua New Guinea yes that's only been seen twice yeah that's it's, not it's it's huge and beautiful mm-hmm. and it's like I want to know more about that before something like something the happens. world explodes the some you know no. I think, I think like documentation is helpful because like, I mean, how many times have we had like people who are trying to study things that have like gone extinct that don't have information that wish they would have, but also like, I think too, in the world that we live in, like in a sense, like we like, you know, I I get what he's saying of like, you know, we don't, things don't need to be valid because of the, of their economic value or their scientific value, but like also realistically the world that we live in, like I'm constantly kind of between when I'm trying to think about like the impact that we can have and how we can actually solve problems and like the ideal situation versus the situation that we're in is you kind of have to meet the world where it's at. And I feel like in that, you know, while he's saying like, just observe it and don't whatever, you know, but like realistically where the world is at, we do need to kind of assign a scientific value to something in order for people to care. People to care. Yeah. Which sucks. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. And I don't think that's every single person. I do think that like, this is again, a post-colonial view mindset, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, and like, not saying that it's a good thing, but like, just unfortunately, I think that's the reality of where we are, you know? And I feel yeah. you too of like, I would like to know more about this animal before it's gone. Um, and also like we, again, we don't know the impacts of everything. And so I think just getting a basis, like, what does this thing do? But also like, too, I think 
you know, maybe that opens the door for more exploitation. Like I, you know, who knows? What did you think, Liam? You're awfully quiet over there. No, I mean, uh, yeah, you guys pretty much covered all of it. Uh, I think I'll say um, just on the top on the topic of what was it at the end of chapter eleven in those uh, last couple of uh, sentences. Uh, let me see. Is this the phrase? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this last section about the about. Uh, concluding chapter 11 where he sort of goes into de he uh, mentions kind of the how far technology has gotten and how that's in a way kind of um aided to um people's kind of perception of the reality of the situation of what's going on with the long-term i guess viability of the health of the planet where sort of like what Kendra was talking about where um where it says uh wherever you look you can see production is still growing uh salmon are so abundant that they are practically available in every grocery store anywhere anytime this is this is the nature of being a narrative from within a particular narrative it is almost possible to believe that all as well and i think that usually a lot of the time if um it, it it might take a while uh, for people to actually address a problem, no matter what it is. Largely based on, well, the the reaction time uh, to solving issues often comes from how often people experience it, and if it and how and how quickly it would uh, pose an immediate threat to the vast majority of everyone else. If in the case it just happened to a certain uh, certain group and i think ultimately yeah sort of on that topic of why we haven't learned why this Kendra pointed out we haven't really been taught been made aware of ecosystems such as uh, the ones that exist on seabed you know the benthos and all that um all those organisms down there is you know even if it's even if it's you know through that trawling it doesn't it's not like we see really the visual impacts from land like we would sometimes see with an oil spill. It's, there's no, there's not as much, just because we haven't really seen that much of what our impact is on the ocean, like, and not, and the, and the fact that a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people don't, even though we live along the coastline, um, there's still a lot who have, still haven't, uh, who don't actually live there. and. Collectively, whenever we, uh, whenever, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling on again, but it, essentially what I'm trying to say is that the, just that because it's so hard to visually see what uh, what goes on um, underneath the surface of the water, it's very difficult for that uh, incentive to act now to actually kick in because, sure. you know, we don't really live. <laughs> We don't actively live underwater. You know, we live on yeah. land, and I think it's it's it happens to be easier. I've noticed for people to recognize the immediate severity of something that of environmental catastrophes happening on land than than uh, under the water. Purely because there's that visual, the fact that people can just see it, and there's the fact that um, that as technology is moving forward there's less incentive to look at it because technology is just another thing that a lot of people 
uh, need to focus, uh, feel like they need to focus on. Definitely. So I don't know. That was, I know that's kind of no, a little bit I rambly, but yeah. It's like, it's just like, it's again, like, it's like, yeah, a lot of people, it, they feel like, I mean, this, this is the world that we're at. It kind of comes back to meeting the world where it's at. Like people feel like technology is the way that we solve things when like, I mean, we've now gotten to a point where it's like, okay, like if we were to just let the earth go and we were all to try to live off the grid, it would be chaos and it would probably be just not a good time and probably wouldn't work out the way that we want it to. So like we do, because of this point of industrialism that we're in, need to involve technology. Um and a lot of people like focus on that, but also at the same time, it's like the earth managed itself for millions of years without um, us getting involved and without us managing it with technology. So like, that's. A, a- yeah. Well, I feel like technology, I, I had that quote highlighted too, because I really liked it and like mm-hmm. technology in this sense, like um, salmon production, the abundancy of salmon a lot because of technology and science of sure. the farming industry and negative in my opinion but with like the deep sea area like what kind of Liam was talking about we know about that and the impact we have on the deep sea and what happens if we destroy it because of technology as well like ROVs and like submarines and just like research tech and awesome people and had we not known that we probably would have started bottom trawling and completely wiped out this eon just just old, 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 old ecosystem that helps our entire planet function that is like sequestering carbon and like all amazing things. If people want to read a book about the deep sea, Um, there's the brilliant abyss by Dr. Helen Scales. It's very, very good. Um, But we would have been doing that forever ago and it would all be gone and we wouldn't know about it. And then the impact would affect everything else in the ocean. So it wouldn't just be like, oh, we didn't know, dang it. We would see the negative impacts of that and potentially the ocean would be going downhill much, much, much faster. Sure. Yes. So like technology has its ups and downs. Definitely. Of course, like had we never gotten to where we are, we probably and not have had the desire to just trawl for everything in the ocean to eat it um, or use it to our benefit. We probably wouldn't need to know the intricacies of the worms in the deep sea that only eat wood. Like there are worms that only eat wood in the deep sea. <laughs> That's um, nuts. Where are they getting the wood? From trees that fall down and sink. That seems yeah. like a really wow. so literally the forest. That's really, really it's cool. so cool. I love the book. It's such a good book. But like literally everything is connected. Had we not known that, like trees are literally feeding the very depths of the ocean. It's nuts. And That's it's amazing. It's insane. It's so cool. Um and had we not been trout, like there's a there's in an alternate re- universe we wouldn't need to know that because hopefully we wouldn't get to the point where we're overexploiting and like colonizing everything and just where we are now. Yeah. But we are where we are now. And so we have to like use technology mindfully and there are like these better ways to use it. And then there are like the worse exploitative feeding our overconsumption habits. Yeah. Like with the salmon. For sure. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. There's a lot we don't know about the DVC. I'll never forget that one, the, that one quote from Robert Ballard, where he was talking about, he was at like a TED talk and he was doing something. And he talked about a time when uh, he was asking why like a geologic, this map that was sort of, it was a map of uh, the ocean floor. And he would, he, he talked about a time where he asked people, why is this area all flat here? Or why does it appear to be so much of the earth is flat? 
and or the surface of the it just doesn't seem like there's anything down there and people would you know say random thing say a couple of things and at the end of it he's just like no it's just because the survey ship hasn't been down there yet yeah so the fact when, that they're like yeah no go yeah. no it's just so yeah just that yeah that thought of just how much we still don't are not aware of what's in the bottom of the ocean literally you know the bottom of the ocean was i think i think fair to say probably the first probably would have been one of the first if not the first active active ecosystems on earth you Definitely. know because they probably would have been around you know the very beginning so it's, yeah you know we're trawl you know we're doing all this uh trawling and we still don't even know what we still don't know. even know what we're doing yeah what we're doing yeah exactly yeah. well and she has this she has like a couple quotes that are great but one is exploration and exploitation of the earth and its resources have always gone hand in hand yeah so like yeah. that's almost like the great danger sometimes of like us asking questions right is there maybe those of us who are genuine curious want to understand the planet but there's always the people that want to hear that to find out a way to exploit it Definitely. So at the deep sea, there's deep sea mining as well. Yeah. And oh, yeah. a lot of people are just trying to figure out, could we like take some of the research being done and like do it quote sustainably and all those different things. Um, and that's like a huge point of her book is like, I want to write about the deep and I want to urge you not to think about the deep sea and what you yeah. get from it, like fishing, drilling, yeah. whatever, but, and me me medicine, well, actually medicine is a benefit that you could get from the deep sea in like a sustainable way but just in how it impacts the planet because it literally like we're all connected from the highest tippy tops of the mountains to the deep ocean. Yes. And the salmon. Yes. And the, and the salmon. No, that's a good point. I, I think that she brings up. Yeah. Cause that's the thing is like, does that understanding then open the door for more exploitation? Rip. That kind of almost gets brought up. I'm also re I'm reading like four books right now. Apologize. But there's, Listening to Whales by Alexandra Morton. Great, 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 great book. We'll read that next, right? It's so good. I but she just she just gets to the I'm just at the chapter where she starts talking about when the salmon farms started coming to BC yeah. and like the impact of like what that did and how um when they first got there, the government wanted meetings with like the locals to discuss like where areas do you not want us to touch? Like where yeah. should like to set up zones? And a bunch of people didn't want to go because they don't trust the government. And Alexandra was like, no, like, let's do it. Like, this is our chance to have our voices heard. And For they sure. go and they drew out these maps and like, no here, no here. Like the whales are here or I fish here. And I'm like a fisherman, please don't put yeah. something here. And when they got the map back the first time, they're like, okay, like they listened to some of us. They didn't listen to everything, but like, okay, a compromise. But then as it kept growing, they started putting more and more farms in the red zones and not in the green zones. And it turned into where she felt guilty because she felt like she, through having people go to this meeting, it showed the fish farmers quote, yes. almost where to go Yes, by telling them where they, where the locals didn't want them to be because it was like benefiting the ecosystem essentially. Definitely. Um, so that kind of reminds me of that. Like sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot almost because people will just look to exploit. Absolutely. No matter what. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I totally agree with you. And that's definitely like a, a it's a, it's a fine line to walk. Um, and, and sometimes, and that's, I think also a thing to think about too, is like, I mean, there's so many, like the, the path to hell is paved with good intentions, right? You know, like, 
you know, we can all want to do the right thing, but sometimes like things just happen in the end that are not so great. And like, you know, I think that's just part of the process too. Um, and I feel like sometimes like I like, cause I feel like I've seen her personally, like, like people just like attack her, like on the internet and things like that. And I think a lot of people who do genuinely have good intentions and are genuinely making an impact. And she's one of those people sometimes just get like yelled at because that things don't go well. Um, and I just, I don't know. I feel like it was something that I just needed to bring up because I think people should be nicer because she had good intentions and you can't control things like that. You know, that is a habit I've noticed with some, uh, in case usually when something goes wrong, um, when trying to do any kind of environmental work, there's usually a massive blowback. Yes. And like saying, oh, you know, you're awful. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Why, you know, stop doing this. You're never right or blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And and there's a difference, I think, between like, you know, for example, like Kendra and I were like approached by someone who was interested in, in just like kind of breeding sea stars and putting them back into the ocean as like a business endeavor and like that is like not well thought out not necessarily in the best faith but like a situation like with alexandria morton is in good faith and like is well thought out and so it's like you don't want to jump down people's throats you know um for for genuinely trying to do the right thing and it's just not going well but yeah i feel you liam it's a struggle i agree you agree yeah <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean it just i've seen like the comments that it's alexander morton and then just general fisheries and salmon farm stuff and i think one thing too is there's a big miscommunication between conservationists and fisheries people i went to this like online it wasn't a seminar but it was a a woman was presenting um her research yes it's not published yet so i can't like but um, talking about it, it was like a Southern resident and fisheries like overlap, kind of yeah. like how people react. How can we like mitigate um, relationships? And it was asking questions to both fisheries people um, in like BC and general Salish Sea area and yeah. then like Southern residents people. And there's like just very clearly a lot of misinformation between the two or just lack of communication. Like what are the goals going on? Like it was kind of just sad almost how many of like fisheries people like were voting like if the southern residents went extinct it wouldn't impact me and I feel like there's just like this mass disconnect with like how we both talk about our sides of like conservation issues especially regarding this salmon whereas like and one question that stood out was a lot of these southern resident people wanted to save the salmon to save the ecosystem and a lot of fisheries people were more interested in saving salmon for business which makes sense we all want our businesses to thrive we have families we need to have money and feed ourselves but like things like that that i feel like if we understood each other a bit more it maybe like help with coming with better compromises um between these two camps that are often divided yeah yeah i agree i remember i was here just uh, i remember one of the uh i think it was the first protest that i went to uh one that i did last year or maybe it was earlier yeah it was it was last year um but yeah i think right after the protest um was finished where we you know marched down to the bpa offices and then back somewhere else uh like not even 10 minutes later um there was a 
a, a sea shepherd and someone from the Idaho con- like fish conservation thing almost got into a gotten almost got into an ar- a fight or just this big argument about you know about eating fish and that kind of thing and the southern residents it's nuts like i mean it's it's just sad to see because ultimately i feel like like deep down we probably all have similar goals which like bottom line is just like to be alive and well and like what that means to different people you know may come across as like it you know it could mean eating fish or not eating fish you know um but i definitely i i think that we definitely need to focus on finding more common ground i feel like even like within communities there are tensions and then it's like even worse when you're trying to like communicate with other communities who you see as the threat you know um but i do ultimately think that Kendra's right of like trying to understand each other I think that like going into something while like trying to listen to somebody's perspective first is helpful and like if someone's telling you that something's an issue for them like rather than just like being like no no like be open to it because I think that's another part of the problem too and I think that it only exacerbates the issue because when people don't feel heard they only get more frustrated and tensions only build and like you know, I definitely personally experienced that with talking about certain environmental issues to certain people. And like it, I think, I think all of us experience that because we're not, you know, not everybody thinks in the same ways. Um, but yeah, I think just like kind of, you know, being open to the other side of things and then being like, you know, maybe instead of being like, oh man, you suck for not thinking this being like, okay, like, I don't understand your side of it. And I'm really frustrated with what's going on, but like, can you, share your perspective with me because i mean realistically we're not going to get anywhere if we're divided if we're divided within our groups and or if we're divided with other groups and like you know obviously there's going to be tensions there's going to be no right answer like no one right answer for everyone but like at the same time we're not going to get anywhere by being rude to each other you know i feel like it's like everything that you learned in kindergarten we need to apply those rules now be nice share like don't purposefully hurt other people's feelings. Thank you. That's yeah, that's how I feel about it. That was really good. I think we cap this episode. Um, be nice to each other. Capitalism is ruining the planet. Um, salmon is not something that we should exploit. Think about our understanding of things. Dolly Parton and Sam are the two most important things. Those are five key points. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Kendra and me and TED Talk, gang gang. Love. Awesome. Well, we are finishing up this book. We've got the last chapter and the epilogue left. And we'll be diving into that in two weeks. And then um, we're going to dive into another book. I think we're leaning towards listening to whales, but we are open to suggestions. There was a potential salmon book that we talked about as well, but we just did salmon. So maybe we'll do whales. Um, But yes, send us a DM on the Instagram or shoot me an email at Extinction if you would like to suggest a topic. Um, But yes, thank you so much for joining us. All right, you guys have a good week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.